1: Wisconsin is facing a mental health crisis. It is a statewide issue. As court-ordered competency restoration skyrockets. There's such a backlog of people that need that treatment. State health officials can't keep up. It is not a situation that um, any of us wants to be in. This week on Open Record, psychiatric hospitals pushed beyond the limit. Six Studios, this is Open Record. I am your host, Brian Pulson, and I'm joined this week by Open Records executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hi. And by Contact Six reporter, Jenna Sachs. Hello, Jenna. Hey there. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, September 13th, for release on Thursday, September 14th. And for the past year and a half, we've been reporting on a rather unusual felony case in Waukesha County with a defendant who is mentally ill, and what's played out in that court case has placed a real spotlight on the larger statewide problem a larger statewide problem with mental health care. It's a serious lack of psychiatric bed space. Our most recent story aired a little more than a week ago, and it features a man you guys know we've reported on many times, Timothy Heller.
2: Would you mind beginning there and bringing us up to speed on Timothy Heller? Because we've heard you mention his name before.
1: Well, and I feel like for me, I feel like I've said this name so many times, mm-hmm. and I don't know for listeners if you maybe you've never seen a single story about this guy, but this is a a man. He's now sixty two years old. He has bipolar disorder, and his Parents who are in their 90s uh, have talked to me a number of times. They say he has dealt with his entire his entire life, or at least his entire adult life. I think he was in his young 20s when he was first diagnosed. Um, and a couple of years ago, actually five years ago now, 2018, um, he was first arrested for making uh, threats against Carroll University in Waukesha. Um, and there was an issue where he had been a part-time teacher at the university teaching a physics course. And um, and for whatever reason, the students were uncomfortable with him or they thought he was a little bit odd. And obviously the mental illness was was progressing at that time. Uh, The university said, we're not going to have you back. Essentially, they fired him and he objected and he engaged in a letter writing campaign and he was essentially, they say, harassing the university. And finally, they said, you know, just leave us alone. Don't contact us anymore. And in some of his communications with the university and then eventually with court officials and others and even the media, he made references to things and in, in some particular cases made references to mass shooters. He talked about his frustrations and he would sort of relate his frustrations to the way mass shooters feel when they commit their offenses. And he related to them and would say, you know, he said the Parkland school shooter in Florida is my hero because of the way he dealt with his frustrations and his mental illness. Um, And obviously the recipients of that, you think alarm bells. I mean, Mm -hmm. is this where it starts when you talk about the fears of a mass shooter coming onto a university campus this is the red flag. They think that this is someone who could come and do harm. So they report it to police. He's arrested. He's criminally charged. I believe it was disorderly conduct back then, but his campaign continues, the letter writing and the other things. And eventually last year, 2022, he is once again arrested, this time charged with making terrorist threats against Carroll university. Um, a police officer came to interview him and said, you know, you've made these references. Are you going to go shoot up the school? And he said, he he didn't say that he would, but he said someone's going to based on their methods. And the officer said that's enough for mm-hmm. the the us to refer this to the DA. They filed charges, and since then, he's been going through this court process, accused of threatening the university and causing a panic among the students.
0: So your first story with Timothy Heller and I, as him as a subject of the story um, was a little more than a year ago, and shortly after that story aired <clears throat> the court declared Heller not competent so what happened then
1: yeah so we we aired our story and, and really told sort of more of Tim's background because this isn't the first time he's been in trouble with the law it's actually not the first time he'd been accused of making threats that involved some sort of mass violence or violence with a gun back in Illinois he'd been arrested uh for threatening pardon me a a, a court official there and also once for going I think it was into a I want to say maybe it was a UPS store. I can't recall for sure. But again, he had, he had done this sort of thing before. The story airs, and the question is, there's no, no doubt in his background that he's had this history of mental illness. He'd been institutionalized before in a, a mental hospital in the state of Illinois. The question is under the Constitution, we don't prosecute people who are engaging in acts because of their mental illness. So was this going to go forward as a felony case or what was going to happen? His attorney, um, who was actually appointed by the court, um, uh, a guy named Paul Crawford, uh, one day in in one of the hearings just said, I've got to raise competency. I've got to raise that as an issue here. And what that meant is he was asking for the court to pause the case and say, we want an evaluation done of Tim Heller to find out, is he in fact competent to proceed? Because when it comes to mental illness, there are two ways that can affect a criminal case. One is, and we've all heard about cases, high profile cases, where someone pleads not guilty by reason of insanity. They call it an NGI plea. And that means that at the time they committed the crime, they didn't know the difference between right and wrong. Their mental illness caused them and in some cases, you've, very controversial, the temporary insanity. They were only insane at the time they committed mm-hmm. this, this heinous offense. <clears throat> that wasn't what was happening here. This is a different thing. It's are you competent to actually understand and assist with your own defense as the mm-hmm. proceedings go forward so a doctor had to evaluate tim heller that doctor came back and told the court confidentially that um, no he's not competent he needs to be treated tim heller objected he said uh, even though his own attorney said you know we accept this we'll we'll, we'll take it. He, tim said no I'm not going to accept it. I want to fight this. I'm not, uh, I, I, he didn't want to be treated. He didn't want medication. Um, and that's not uncommon among some people with mental illness, bipolar disorder. They resist treatment and he's one who who did. And so the court said, if it's going to be a contested uh, determination, then we're going to have a public hearing. And that's what happened. They held a public hearing on whether or not Tim Heller was competent to proceed to trial.
2: And so, what was the
0: outcome? Yeah. Well,
1: it, it, and I'm sorry, that's, that's a great question. That's actually, I mean, that was a really fascinating Hearing too, because I don't think it's very often that we see this kind of thing play out in the open. Um, Usually, if a doctor declares a defendant in a criminal case not to be competent, that report is confidential. The only public record is that there was such a determination and the person goes off to get treatment. In this case, we actually heard the doctors or the psychologists come into court um, and testify as to what the conversations were like with Tim Heller, how he was very difficult to keep on point. His, his thoughts would meander. He was making arguments that really weren't cogent or didn't make a lot of sense. And ultimately, the psychologist said, you know, it is my professional opinion. He is not competent. Um, you know, Tim Heller, of course, objects, but ultimately the the judge says, I'm, I'm going with the doctor here. He declares him not competent and orders him not only to be treated and to be committed uh, to the state uh, uh Mendota Mental Health Institute, but to be medicated against his will. So there are two orders. One is that he go get competency treatment. The other is that the medication administra- administration be forced. And that's a higher bar. And that's not, you know, it, I think they try to avoid doing that because in the mental health world, the idea is you, like any other healthcare, you have a right to determine your own healthcare treatment. But in a criminal case like this, at a certain point, the court says the only way we're going to proceed is if he's treated and the only way he gets treated is with medication so we're going to he, he ordered a, a forcing of that medication and then ordered him to go off to mendota
2: and i feel like we're getting to the reason for this particular right. yeah. story on mr heller because he didn't that mm-hmm. didn't happen
1: it didn't happen right away okay. and that's that's another really interesting thing that happened here that played out in the open and it's one of the reasons i've been so fascinated by this case and i've reported on it so frequently and followed it so closely because what happened next really sort of peeled off uh, a layer of the onion as to what's going on in the mental health care system in the state of Wisconsin, something that we don't often see and therefore don't talk about. Um, When Tim Heller was ordered by the judge to go to Mendota for treatment, they instead sent him to the Waukesha County Jail. And the Waukesha County Jail held him there for several weeks. And the family was asking, why isn't he in Mendota? You said he was going to Mendota to a mental health facility. Why is he sitting in jail? And the judge responded that he wanted to know that too. Mm -hmm. Why at my order was go to Mendota and get treatment. Why are you holding him in jail? And the state said, well, we just don't have room. We don't have room in Mendota. There's not enough beds. And the judge said, well, why? Why? I want to hear you explain why. And so he actually ordered state officials to come to court and testify in uh, what they call an order to show cause hearing. He was, I think eventually it became a contempt of court hearing. He was threatening to hold the state of Wisconsin in contempt for violating his order of sending Tim Heller to Mendota. Um, I think this happens all the time in terms of the weight. This is one of the rare times where a judge said, I'm not okay with that, and I want to hear your explanation. So uh, officials from the Department of Health Services and the director of the Mendota Mental Health Institute actually came to Waukesha County. Some of them appeared by Zoom, but the director of Mendota was right there in court, and they testified and explained, we just don't have room, and so people have to wait. And Tim Heller was in line. I think it was like 70th out of 109 male patients at that time. He was way down the list.
0: So why... You know, clearly they just they don't have the space or did not have the space at the time. Was that because of the backlog of cases? Was that because there's just so many and they don't know what to do with them or?
1: Well, that, that's a great question. And I think it is the reason why the story happened and why it's so interesting and and. and... The solutions aren't easy. But Dr. Uh, uh, Gregory Van Rybrook, who is the director of Mendota, said there were a number of factors. He pointed to the pandemic as one of the reasons. I mean, that limited staff for a while. It limited the kind of the amount of space they could use. That part has since passed. But he also pointed to a uh, significant rise in recent years in the number of cases that are resulting in people being sent or ordered by courts to get this, what they call treatment to competency. What happens is they treat someone to the point where they say they can now assist with their own defense. Then they release them, they're declared competent and the trial goes on. That treatment to competency those orders are becoming more and more common to the point that they've seen. If you look at a chart, and we had this in the story, they've just skyrocketed in the last few like years. Like more than a
2: thousand percent,
1: wasn't it? Well, that's that's with, and we'll talk about that's actually with repeat uh, oh. appearances. That's people. So, so the total, the ag, total aggregate number of people being ordered has gone way up. But if you look at the number of people who are re- repeatedly coming mm. through the system, they're treated to competency. And then they get back out and then they are involved in another criminal offense and they're declared incompetent and they go back in to be treated. Those repeat appearances. Yeah. That's gone up more than a thousand percent. They, I think it was in 2016, there were 14 cases like that in, this, in the whole state of Wisconsin last year. There were, I think something like 136, or I don't remember how many it was. It was, it was, but it, you know, a huge increase, exponential increase. And so Because of the number of people who are being sent for this treatment um, going up so high, they have to have more space and that space is much harder to increase because the Department of Health Services can't just decide they want to build beds. They need authority from the legislature. They need funding from the legislature. And they say, while they've tried to shuffle some things around, um, they are struggling to open up enough space to deal with the increase in demand.
2: So Mr. Heller did eventually get treatment, right? How did did. that come about and what happened once he got there?
1: So, I mean, and and I think if you you look at this, this was playing out now, not only in front of a courtroom, but playing out in front of television cameras because we were there for every one of these hearings. Um, You can imagine the state is feeling some heat. What they did say in the hearing was they because of the shortage, because of the wait list, they have to prioritize who needs treatment the soonest, and that's who's going to get a bed. Well, Tim Heller, while he is charged with something that could have ended very badly, had there, for instance, been a mass shooting. Now, Mm -hmm. he and his family would say he's never been violent. He has no guns. This wasn't a legitimate threat. Um, But for those who feared it, this could have been catastrophic. Nonetheless, he doesn't have any history of violence. He's not in jail beating his head against the wall or threatening to kill himself mm-hmm. or threatening to harm others. <laughs> He's not someone who they see as um, an, immediate
3: threat.
1: an immediate threat to himself or others. And there are other people who the doctor described who are, and it's awful and sounds disgusting, but feces eating, smashing mm-hmm. their heads against yeah. the wall, doing things that in fact are in immediate danger. They jump to the top of the list, but there are other ways you can prioritize things. And when the media and the courts are, you know, watching you closely. Not long after this hearing, a few weeks after the hearing, Tim Heller magically jumped to the top of the list and he ended up in Mendota. Um, he was there for, I think, about eight weeks. And according to his family, they loaded him up on medication. The medication they said he was actually prescribed is Resperidol, and he was given a six milligram dose. That, I'm told, is the highest dose of Resperidol. So they, they loaded him up on a high dose medication. They say he came home kind of a zombie Mm -hmm. that he was just you know he was not himself um and and they felt that it wasn't the right medication although his family believes he should be on medication he should be on a good regimen and they know that he isn't willing to do so on his own they said this particular treatment in their view was just essentially drug him up and send him out that's their opinion i'm not judging what the state mental hospital has done or or maligning that in any way because i am not an expert on this at all Mm -hmm. that's what the family said um But they, after eight weeks, released him. And, of course, they're trying to cycle these beds. They've got other people who Mm -hmm. need these beds. So he gets out. The court declares him competent. And the case proceeds. The case is still going on. Um, Tim gets out and almost immediately goes to his doctor, his physician, outside of the hospital and says, I don't want to be on these meds. Um, Help wean me off of them. And that's what they do. And he is no longer on any psychiatric medication. And the judge asked him at the last hearing in August, are you taking your medications? And he said, I'm not prescribed anything right now. I was on psychiatric meds, I'm off. And in that time- He started writing letters again. He's been emailing me. He's been emailing the courts. He's been writing letters to the courts and his family says he's spending his time writing what they call missives, which is sort of what he was doing when he was in the midst of some of his psychosis. So they're concerned that he is regressing again. I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose that, but that that's what their concern is. Uh, But the case is going forward and it's uh, right now in a phase where the court is waiting for him to get an attorney and, uh, and he has not yet secured one.
0: You did talk with mental health advocates um, yeah. in Wisconsin here. Were they able to speak to Heller's case? Did they talk about the the challenge and the problem overall with bed space?
1: Well, I, I've actually ta- it was interesting because in our original story a year ago, I interviewed the med- emergency medical director for mental health services for the for Milwaukee County. His name's Doctor. Um, why is it escaping me? Uh, Tony Thrasher, Doctor Tony Thrasher, and he was a fantastic interview. This time around, I reached out to uh, mental health advocates, uh, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, the Wisconsin chapter of NAMI. And they said, we've got just the guy for you. And they sent me an email and included Dr. Tony Thrasher. Mm -hmm. So I interviewed the same guy, but he said he wanted to speak to me this time as a representative of NAMI, not as the medical director Mm -hmm. uh, of of mental health services for the county. So he did. And and as an advocate for uh, those with mental illness, he said that we're right on point that there is a shortage of psychiatric bed space, and Wisconsin is not alone in that. That is a problem in many states all across the country. We looked up some data, found some research that shows that it's not easy to determine what the right number of beds is. There's been a lot of research done, a lot of variables and, and mathematical modeling that's been done to try to figure that out, but one study found Wisconsin would need about 250 more full-time psychiatric beds just to meet the current need. Um, and we're one of I think 36 states, maybe it was or maybe it was 20, I don't know, it was more than half the states that are in that boat, that are short of beds. Um, and that's not just government beds like the state mental hospitals, it's private psychiatric hospitals or general hospitals in their psychiatric wings. He said, We need more, but what's actually happening is a lot of places are closing their psychiatric units. This just recently happened. Freighter's Menominee Falls uh, Hospital closed its psychiatric uh, unit and is focusing on outpatient treatment instead. And some will tell you that has to do with the funding models, the way things are reimbursed um, through health insurance companies and so on. And and we didn't get into any of that in the story. But the point is, he said, it's going the wrong direction. We need more beds. There's not enough.
2: Right. And that's obviously concerning for the individual, but also for everybody, because there's so much emphasis on getting mental health Mm -hmm. treatment If you need it these days and if it's not available, obviously that's frustrating for all of us. I thought it was interesting in your story when you also talked about how this is affecting the sheriff's department in Dodge County.
1: Well, it's affecting sheriffs really in in law enforcement all over the state, Mm -hmm. but the Dodge County sheriff, Dale Schmidt, has been pretty vocal about this and and active politically in this. Um, When you think about this, if there's a shortage of places for people to go with inpatient psychiatric beds, when someone's having a, a, a... a psychiatric crisis, a mental health crisis, who gets called? It's police, because usually they're, maybe they're, and I shouldn't say usually, but in the cases where someone is a threat or a danger to themselves or others, you call 911 and the police come. And the police, maybe a crime is being committed, maybe not, but they're going to take this person, and the first thing they have to do, if they think it is a mental health situation, a chapter 51, as they'll call it, They'll take that person first to a hospital to be medically cleared, not psychiatrically, but Mm -hmm. to make sure that there aren't other medical issues that need to be dealt with first. Once they are cleared medically, they can then take them somewhere to be treated by a mental health professional. Well, first of all, that means that you have a law enforcement officer in the case of Dodge County. It's a sheriff's deputy. And they now have to drive this person in the back of a squad car as though they are a criminal. Maybe Mm -hmm. no crime has been committed whatsoever, but they're, as he puts it in the back of a cage and they take them to a hospital. And now that deputy has to stand guard Mm -hmm. and they've got to stay there until they're Mm -hmm. medically cleared. And then once they're medically cleared, now they have to find somewhere that can accept them. And if there are no beds available nearby, they might have to go all the way to Winnebago. That's kind of their backup. Go to Winnebago state mental health uh, facility and, and. Even though Dodge County is reasonably close, that's maybe a good, you know, two hour round trip um, from from parts of Dodge County. So now you have a, a deputy who may have been off the streets for an entire shift, shift. in some cases yeah. more than one shift. And over time that. did he say uh,
0: like hundreds of hours? He, he over... actually
1: gave me a log, yeah. A, a, yeah. an Excel spreadsheet of how many hours they've put in and how many dollars this mm-hmm. costs. They've put into just transporting people in a mental health crisis. And I think for one year, I think in 2022, it was like 269 hours or something like that. And you divide eight into that. That's how many Mm -hmm. deputy shifts they lost to just this issue. Now, they did, there was legislation that, and we didn't talk about this in the story, there was legislation passed a couple of years ago that said uh, law enforcement can. Instead, hire a third-party transportation company to do the transit to these places. The problem is third-party transportation companies aren't necessarily equipped if there's a security issue to be doing that kind of Mm -hmm. transport. And the other problem, he said, is they thought when they passed this legislation that those rides would be covered by Medicaid. They're not. Mm -hmm. And so – He said, we can either pay for that transportation service or we can just pay for our deputy. At this point, it just makes more sense and it's more secure to just send the deputy. So it hasn't really helped. Um, What they'd like to see is more places to take people that are closer, that are more convenient, somewhere where a mental health professional is actually the one dealing with the person who needs mental health treatment. It's kind of like saying if you were having a heart attack and they said, well, you're going to need to stay with this police officer because there's no cardiologists available right now. Um, they, they, They want the police don't want to be dealing with that. They want mental health professionals to do this. There aren't enough of them and there aren't enough places. The question is, how do you get more beds or how do you come up with facilities that can sort of be receiving centers that can handle some of this?
2: Did you hear anything about possible solutions? to this problem, either from the state or from lawmakers? Is there anything that might make this situation better?
1: Well, one thing the state did tell me, now, Department of Health Services wouldn't do an interview for this story, and in fact, they I had asked Dr. Van Rybrook himself to do an interview multiple times. We had a good conversation on the phone, but then when I asked for an on-camera interview, he stopped responding to me. And I'm sure it is extremely busy with what they're doing up there, but um, ultimately they did send me answers to some written questions. And one of the things they said is, over the last several years, last 10 years, they have tried to uh do what they can to increase the number of beds available for treatment to competency and, and insanity pleas and things like that um by reassigning beds or by you know just adding where they can you know opening up dormitories or things where they can add they've added about a hundred and something beds over the past maybe 10 years um or seven years i think since 2016 um so it there's been it maybe a you know a I think it was maybe a 20% increase roughly in bed space. Maybe it's a little bit more than that in those years. But when you're seeing increases of, you know, Mm -hmm. 60% or 100% in the number of treatment to competency uh, orders, and then you're seeing a thousand percent increase in repeat offenders, it's not enough to keep up. One other possible solution, the uh, legislature or I'm sorry, the the legislature and the governor in the next budget, the biennium 2023, 2025 budget has set aside $10 million to construct a couple of regional, what they call, I think, crisis urgent care facilities. Um, uh, there's a different, that's close to the name, that's not quite it, but they are essentially regional facilities, there would be two of them, that would be these receiving centers in for people in a mental health crisis. They could do the med- medical clearances there, they could do the appropriate assessment in the short term of what kind of needs that person has, do they need, do they have mental health needs that are It can be delivered in the community or do they need to be inpatient somewhere? And if so, where's a good place for them? They could manage all of that. You could have, in theory, a law enforcement officer dropping them off and now it's out of our hands. They can go be back on the job. The framework of that is still being developed by DHS and the legislature. So that money is sort of set aside to be used, but there's no concrete plans for it yet. And I even asked, can you tell me where these would be located? Um, how many beds would they have? They didn't have any information on that. So it's something that's there uh, as a possible future thing. I think it's considered a best practice right now in, in the mental health field. Other states are doing it. Um I think maybe New Mexico or Arizona, one of the two, is already doing this. So we may see that in the future, but it isn't happening here yet.
0: So you talked about how Tim Heller is has weaned himself off of medication um, and that his trial is still progressing through the system. So what's next for him?
1: So the next thing, is, as far as the judge is concerned, is for him to get an attorney. And they've gone through the the question of whether he qualifies for a public defender. He does not. So Has he had an attorney
0: a... through the case, or what's well, that so look like? So it's
1: it's been really uh, interesting. He's been represented by a, an attorney appointed by the county, uh, Paul Crawford. And uh, Tim Heller decided he didn't want him to be his attorney anymore. Um, and and I think you know there's been some disagreements as to what the attorney thinks is best versus what Tim Heller thinks is sure. best. So. Paul Crawford asked to withdraw from the case, and the judge said, I'm, I'm going to allow you to withdraw as his attorney, but you're going to stay on as what he called a friend of the court mm-hmm. and essentially represent him until he has another attorney. What he's trying to avoid is a person with severe bipolar disorder representing it. himself and taking mm-hmm. this train off the tracks as they try to go forward to the case. Well, Tim Heller has so far not gotten an attorney, a private attorney. Um, there's some disagreement over whether he can afford one with his trust fund and all sorts of things. And the last court hearing, the judge said, when you come back, you need to have a lawyer. We'll see. The next hearing is later this month. But the point is, it's kind of dragging out. We're now well over a year and a half mm-hmm. into this case, and they haven't even really gotten into the meat of, uh, of of much of anything. So this could drag on for a while longer. What I don't know, and this is new to me, can someone be declared not competent again during the same course of the same trial. I don't know. And I don't know if that will happen. So we'll continue to follow it and and see what happens. But Tim is living at home on his own. He's got an apartment in Milwaukee um, and he is there and he's writing up his things and sending them out. Um, So who knows what's going to happen next? I know Carroll university is watching closely. They've been appearing at many of these hearings. Um, They are still concerned because of how this all.
0: Well, and you talked to his family too, though. I know we didn't really talk about that in here, but it's in the story and you sat down with them so, I mean, and, and you kind of mentioned him here and there, but what do they think about this whole trial and Tim's status? It's so
1: interesting because he's got two parents who are 96 years old. They're mm-hmm. actually having their 75th anniversary. I think they just had it this month. Um, but they're both uh, very well-spoken mm-hmm. and and they are the ones who've been sort of, I think, uh, kind of marshalling him through this process. He also has five siblings, Adult siblings, obviously, they're all, you know, he's he's the youngest at 62 Um, and and each of them has their own perspective. But what I gather from all of them is they are. They've tried everything they Mm -hmm. feel they can do to help. They seem
2: to really care about him. They
1: care very much for him. They do not believe he's dangerous. They do not believe Mm -hmm. he would ever commit any kind of mass violence or any violence whatsoever. They say it's the psychosis. It's what he, you know, this is how he deals with it is by writing all of these things. And they say, we know he said some things that he probably shouldn't say in those writings, but he's not a genuine threat. Mm -hmm. What they want to see is for him to get treatment that would make him better. And the last interview I had with his father, Don Heller, and his brother, Dan Heller, um, they both said he would be bent. At this point, they believe he would be better off institutionalized. I said, do you think he'd be better off in jail? And his brother said, at this point, there may be no better option, but they would much rather see him treated in a facility where they say when he was at Mendota, he was happy. Mm -hmm. Um, While he was there, they felt that he was he was OK with the proper treatment. They think that may be the best thing. I think at this point they've decided He's not going to follow a regimen on his own, Mm -hmm. and he needs some kind of treatment. And that's a good time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual and have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And I have to tell you, Sarah, I don't know if it's going to possibly, nothing you ask is going to get as good of a reaction as the outtake from the beginning of this podcast. When something just struck, I scared Jenna. From the Fox 6 Studios. <laughs> my my
2: headphones are really loud. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you can turn them down. Well my my headphones were turned up really yeah. high, and you hit that line with a lot of emphasis. I, I, I said,
1: think. from the I Fox 6 Studios, this is open record, and I have not out of the corner of my eye, I saw her jump at least six inches i tried to play cool and i'm
0: sure my eyes just got real buggy but and
1: then it took about 20 minutes to get the start of the podcast going because i was laughing F got hit real hard but anyway well, um, what do you have for us
0: all right well today's question is i feel, I feel like we have touched on this here and there but i feel like it's always a good talker if you could get out of any house chore forever which one would it be any house chore dishes
2: yeah
0: i mean lately i it's
2: it's like what I do to relax now because you don't ever get to relax when you've got a busy house. So like you relax by watching something on your tablet yeah. while yeah. doing the dishes. But we have so many that the dishwasher is full and I still yep. have You're to still watch washing, yeah. dishes wash dishes. So they're now. all piled on the counter. And I don't think I'd mind if I weren't doing it so often, but- the dishes, just staring at them every night before I go to bed, mm. being like, "Am I going to do them tonight, or am I going to yeah. try and rush mm-hmm. and do them tomorrow morning before work?" It's just, it's grating do, on me do right you know now. The
1: worst thing is too about dishes, and and I, my my answer will also be dishes. Wow, uh, because I just Sorry. I just hate doing dishes, but it's there are certain dishes that are okay i'm okay with doing and there's certain ones i hate but the worst mm-hmm. uh, the worst is when you've just finished and, and i'll scrub out the sink and it looks real nice and the counters are real nice and you just finish and a teenager walks in and sets down just a plate a bowl, with like a napkin on it, it. And yes other, Milk and then just sets it there on yeah. the counter and yes. walks away and I, that is like <laughs>
2: Or you finish and then you go into another room and, and find a, like three cups. And you see plate. <laughs> my,
1: my son's bedroom. I'll go up there and and I I find like yeah I start to stack. Oh, he left a plate. And then I start to stack things up. And there's an, another set of dishes yeah. in his room.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: no. So that's and, but like I don't mind folding. I mean I don't like folding laundry. But laundry, I'll watch a TV show, Netflix mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, or I'll watch the Fox I'll watch Fox local. Um, Fox local. <laughs> But I'll, I'll watch something, and then the, mowing the lawn, I listen to a podcast yeah, or music. Right. So yeah. I don't mind those things. But
3: there's just something about dishes.
0: Maybe I should start like listening to stuff while I do things I hate. Um, I'm not a, sure. It makes it a little better. I'm
3: not sure if I'm in the minority here, but for dishwashing, it, it wouldn't be so bad if our dishwasher wasn't so terrible.
0: Yeah, ours every is small, single time ours, we yeah.
3: have to take the dishes out and dry <laughs> every, them. Yeah. Oh really? They don't dry. <laughs> they're clean, oh. but they're wet. And It's like, come on. <laughs> ours yeah. sometimes,
0: like, I, man, the dishwasher is just one thing. It's so old; it came with the house, and it just won't die. And I'm like, <laughs> please, just die. And my so husband you have will an not to get a new one. My husband will not yeah. get a new one until that one kicks it. So, um, yeah, ours leaves like little, can't you just is like, on the top of cups, and I'm like. <laughs> and then I have to
2: like can rewind. you sabotage
1: it can you throw a
2: sock in there or something can you guys settle an argument before we hear your answer Ooh. when you put the dishes in oh. do you have to pre-clean them or do you put them in with a little bit of crud on them um, because this is the point of contention a little my bit of
1: crud is different than like putting in a full bowl
2: Right. Yeah. I don't, yes. like, I don't, I don't, don't clean be them, perfectly
0: them clean.
3: Clean. Oh, No. No. Okay. There's no. a little bit of rinsing going on. Like a, li- yeah. a place yeah. 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 Right. Okay. But like, yeah.
0: but like a pile of ketchup, I'll probably rinse most of, most of the glove off. But not everything. Okay. So uh, you're with me. Well, How if there's you... a
3: pile of ketchup left, I'm eating that first.
0: <laughs> 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 How uh, do your silverware go up or down?
2: I wish I was organized about uh, it but they're going in all directions All directions. I'm mostly okay. just trying to keep my spoons from spooning each other yes <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> right yes. well and, and the only the only thing that I, do, I won't point up steak knives because you don't oh, want to reach shabber. in and stab yourself yeah. so those
3: I point down other things I'll alternate because you're just okay. trying to get yeah. them to fit the right way I mean okay. steak knives depend I don't like to point them down because you could break the tip off
0: that's true I also don't like to really so steak knives are getting clean like you have knives or Kale, knives Kale, than me Kale,
3: I was going to say you. Uh, the knives I have if the
1: tips break off I'm going back to the store and I'm probably spending another 12 <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> on a four-pack. <laughs> I
0: hate vacuuming.
1: I know y'all really? are dishes. Oh, but I actually enjoy vacuuming. No,
0: I I will not do it. I'll do a lot of other stuff, but if there if vacuuming has to be done, I I just don't even like make the effort.
1: I feel like vacuuming is the one thing that gives you the greatest immediate result because if you have like dust bunnies in the corner or little things on the floor from the yeah. food or dogs or whatever, and you you clean, you get those nice lines, and you look at the and you're like, I ah, get so those sweaty. We go. <laughs>
0: It's so hot when I'm done. I'm like, oh, this, I don't ugh. mind
2: if it's like an open room, but if I have to move chairs mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. and things like big bulky pieces of or furniture pick like up to my get kids under the stuff. kitchen table. Yeah. I get yeah. the
3: need for vacuuming, especially we have a dog, oh, a yeah, long, yeah. A long-haired dog, but my wife- loves it she won't admit it but she's like "Oh, I'm just going to vacuum you know the, the hallway and just some of the high traffic areas it turns into the whole place yeah, whole, every yeah. single time <laughs> I'm just laughing
1: well like, because mm-hmm, once true. you have it going and it's plugged in you and might you as pull, well like the little extended wand and yeah. like I'm going to get the corners. I'm going to get the things all of a sudden you're getting and then problems, your blinds and, and yeah, yeah right. you're going up, yeah. blinds though no mm. I you actually and I don't, I don't wash the blinds because that is so painstakingly slow and there needs to be a better way mm-hmm. I mean buying new blinds <laughs> sometimes <laughs> Seems like so the best dirty. option. What yeah. new
2: I do that with the shower curtain sometimes. I'm like, will I try to wash the this out one? or am I just going to throw nope, it away? No, I throw it I away. Throw For it away. $3,
0: I'll buy a new one. Mm-hmm.
1: Not the, you don't, are you talking about well, the whole shower curtain or just the, the inner lining? The inner
0: one, like but the you're supposed to be one. able to rewash yeah. them,
2: allegedly, but they've never uh, really we, gotten clean for me.
1: We, even though we have, uh, you know, the water softener and the whole thing, we'd, we've we got, you know, uh, well water, so you get a lot of rust and, mm-hmm. and iron. Uh, and so the, the the inner curtain would get just orange. And oh. yeah, no, that's, that's going to go.
3: <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> Some insight into very all of our dirty houses. I know. <laughs>
1: Kaylee, did we good. hear what your chore
3: was that you hate? He doesn't
1: like dishes either.
3: It was dishes. It was dishes. Okay. You have to re- you because to you have to dry them
1: over. <laughs> the thing is, I have a great dishwasher, but there's just some things you can't
3: fit or they're awkward yeah. to fit in or a Or you dishwasher. don't
0: want to put them in the dishwasher because you're worried they're going to either get. I don't mind right, folding yeah.
3: I, like, or... Folding laundry is, is bad too. But first, I don't. It's just two of us, but we're doing laundry almost every single day. What? Yes. Uh, well,
1: I, who was on here? It was You're doing I, something wrong. Was it, Suzanne <laughs> like Spencer was on here, and she I think she judged me because I said folding laundry was exhausting, and I get um, tired. I physically, sometimes, if I, we're doing a carrying, bunch of towels maybe, and things, yeah. I'll actually, you talk about sweating during vacuuming. I'll be folding towels and go, why am I breathing heavy as I'm folding <laughs> towels? She goes, how much laundry do you have? And I'm like, well, we you have, have like 400 people, people in, the house, yeah. in the house, so yeah. I
2: do like seeing how much I can fit in a single basket. Sometimes I can get like Ooh. three loads of laundry in a single like You also have baskets. many loads. Little Very people, understand. so. Right. Well, actually, my mom loves folding little people clothes. <laughs> oh, me too. So I just mm. leave a
0: basket out and it uh, comes. And she's like, ooh.
1: You know the worst great. part of laundry? Turning
0: socks inside so- out?
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even that. It's not even the turning. It's just socks and underwear. With towels, oh, yeah. I feel like I'm making progress. You see that pile shrink. Yeah. With socks, you're, I'm working took, for took, half an yeah. hour, and I'm like, I've barely gotten through anything. So, yeah, I think it's the socks. I also
2: have a bag of, like, 30 socks without a match oh, that I just I have oh, yeah. every time I throw another sock in there, and every now and then I go through, and Ooh. Then I'm like, did you what see, happened? Did you see my go. Facebook
1: post recently? I put one out where I had laid out. All, I have a box of the... Unmatched. Box it, of socks. It, it got to a point where I don't. I was like, how could there be this many? Because I know what socks I've bought for the kids mm-hmm. and what socks are mine, and I had one of every single kind.
0: Wow. That
1: was, and I'm was like, how thief. could they all be missing a, a mate?
0: Let me tell you really quick, and I, I, then we can wrap this up. I swear. So I had one, one little blue sock, lone sock that just didn't have a match. I went all, all winter last winter, didn't know where the sock was. I pull up this sundress thing that has pockets and i reached in the pockets oh. and i was like oh my gosh i pulled out the other blue sock did the you match. throw the other one away no i kept it? it i had hope <laughs> there it was though they get tucked in the fitted sheets you know where they're like if you wash it all together
1: I I think they, I think I know where some of them go because my washer once clogged, it wouldn't Mm. drain. It wouldn't drain. And I finally got, had the thing tipped upside down and I found that a stock was stuffed inside and blocking it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's where they go.
2: I feel like I need to check now. Do you have a front end loader? Uh no oh top lover. but I, okay yeah I, was, yeah I was old
1: fashioned the top I yeah I, I, I would still look them. okay yeah.
2: I will because <laughs> some of them are small they could slide down it never occurred to me I mean you
1: lover. won't find that many it's not like you're gonna find all nineteen <laughs> missing yeah,
2: you the mean bag, bag in there the ziplock bag fine
1: <laughs> well this this was a this was a fun one that was uh, that was good but I I think it's seventy five percent of us said dishes that's interesting that is interesting. Anyway, well, if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record, a chore you would like to tell us about that you hate, Mm -hmm. um, or something you'd like to see us cover on Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Jenna, thanks for being on. Of course. Sarah, as always. And thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, including our executive producer, Sarah Smith, our editor, Dave Machuda, and our chief photographer, manning the video switcher. And drying the dishes. That's right. With that, I'm Brian Poulsen. We'll be back next week.